they always say, oh, terrorism. What is terrorism? You know, maybe the actual terrorism is them completely sucking all of the energy out of, of, out of our money and, and causing people where they can't even pay their bills. Like that causes real terror in the world. And who are the terrorists? The people who are diluting our money supply. So don't be mad at us because we're just going to a different solution that actually fucking works and, is, and we're not being robbed every day. We're the terrorists? No, you guys are the fucking terrorists. And we're just trying to protect our money from you, you psychopaths. Greetings and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker, and this is the Bitcoin Podcast. The Bitcoin block height is 819040, and the value of one Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin. Today's episode is Bitcoin Talk, where I talk with my guest about Bitcoin and many other things as well. Today, that guest is Will Kasserin, a.k.a. JB55. Will is the creator of Domus, an iOS client for Noster. It's my favorite way to use Noster, and it's also the app that jump-started the wider adoption and awareness of Noster back in December of last year. Will is a great dude whom I've had the pleasure of hanging out with at multiple conferences, and it was great to get him on the show. We covered a ton of topics in our talk from the events of the past year, like Elon censoring Noster and the CCP blacklisting in China, to current and future Noster developments, zaps and advertising, what's next for Domus, regulations, Bitcoin and monetary terrorism, and a whole lot more. If you're not familiar with Noster, you can check out the show notes where I have a link for you to download the Domus app, as well as a couple of Noster 101 resources. I'll do a Noster 101 episode soon, I promise. I've just been slammed between baby preparations, fiat mining, and of course, knocking out a bunch of episodes of another fucking Bitcoin podcast. As always, you can watch the video version of this episode on Rumble, YouTube, or X by searching at Walker America, or listen on Fountain.fm or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Bitcoin Podcast. If you listen to another fucking Bitcoin podcast on Fountain, consider giving the show a boost or creating a clip of something you found interesting. If you haven't checked out Fountain yet, I highly recommend it. You can send Bitcoin to your favorite podcasters and earn Bitcoin just for listening to the show. Without further ado, let's get into this Bitcoin talk with Will Kasserin. How's it going, man? How have you been? Pretty good. Just having been a bourbon. Busy? Oh, well, hey, cheers. I've got my Miller Lite. I've got a bottle of something stronger underneath my desk as well, just in case. Uh, it's always good to have a couple bottles under the desk, you know? It doesn't hurt anything. But man, <laughs> how was uh, how was Nostrasia? Carl and I were bummed we couldn't make it, but with uh, baby popping out soon, it was going to be a little difficult. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it's a completely different vibe from Costa Rica. Um, you know, it's in you know the wonderful city of of Tokyo, and that was an amazing experience. And getting to meet the actual local Japanese users who use Nostra completely differently from you know the way that we use it, which was really fascinating to learn. You know, to see all that and to get ideas on how to kind of optimize our clients. So, so different. How so in terms of their usage? Yeah. So they actually did a whole presentation on it, which is <clears throat> so I thought in, I thought they were actually using a different client. Um, just because, because you'll notice that sometimes when you're seeing Japanese text, they're not actually replying to anybody. Right. Um, and that's actually, but they're all just using Damas and Amethyst. So they culturally, it's like, I guess it's kind of rude to like reply directly. Um, really? So they just kind of use it as like a chat room and they just kind of air reply to each other. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of strange, but it's just culturally different, I guess. 
Wow. Like, so you're just, you're, there is no reply guying or directly adding someone. It's more of just like implied that this is part of the conversation that's going on. Yeah. And I imagine it's a, a you know, a part of it is because they're relatively small community. Um, I don't know if that would work like what's larger at a larger scale, but for now it's kind of working for them and they seem to be happy using it that way. So. Dang, that's, that's really cool. I, I watched, uh, a couple of the presentations I saw Jack and Snowden's obviously, uh, cause I think that was probably one of the most watched ones, but I also uh, caught yours with, uh, with Miljun and NVK enjoyed that one a lot as well, but I've still got a, I've got a backlog of ones I want to go through and check out. Cause I know rabble had one that people were saying was really solid and just providing some one. great, uh, some great kind of context and advice moving forward. Were there any others that you'd be like, you you should go and watch these top of the heap? I really like uh, Alex Gleason's because what he's doing is actually pretty important. And then that that presentation really makes it clear that how important that is. Um, the idea is that we're not we're not isolated as a decentralized network. In some sense, all the decentralized networks are together. And, and the minute we start bridging with each other, kind of then it becomes kind of one big network. Um, so he was arguing that Nostra is a part of the Fediverse already. Um, interesting. interesting. I think we're they're a part of Nostrovers, but <laughs> right. how you look at it, I guess, right? No, that's that, that that's interesting. I mean, it's it's kind of a fair point that I guess, well, at least from the top down perspective, like if you're thinking about from regulators' perspectives, looking at you know, it's going to be centralized media or centralized social media and decentralized social media. Like these are going to automatically get bucketed together by the people that are hopefully not soon, but probably at some point going to start sniffing around a little bit more. Uh, I, I don't know. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, it looked like you all, you guys also had a pretty good time there. I saw some videos. Uh, <laughs> th th there looked like there were some, some shenanigans to be had. Well, I didn't know like, oh my God, like Wiz was really, really kind to our stay. He, uh, he kind of put us up in uh, the Grand Hyatt and he, he treat, treated us well. And I got to, you know, check out the manpool offices and, um, but yeah, that's uh, you can get some, go to some pretty degen stuff in Tokyo. So <laughs> we, I got to experience some of that. That's amazing. And do I remember correctly? I mean, you, do you know some Japanese? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't that much. Um, you know, just probably like a few phrases here and there, but it, it, it was enough to kind of get me, get me through Japan and talk to some people, but it's, yeah, it's hard because not many people speak English in Japan, even though they're supposed to learn it. So if you, if you, if you don't have any Japanese knowledge, it can be kind of difficult to navigate. So yeah, just a little bit, but not too much. Okay. I was, uh, Carl and I went to Japan for, uh, our honeymoon and I can definitely attest to the little English spoken. Uh, but I found people to be like very nice and welcoming despite there not being much of a language crossover. There were also like plenty of nice people who like, like we got lost in a couple of train stations there, like in the Tokyo Metro. Cause it's just huge. And some like very nice guy carrying a baby was like speaking perfect English and like, you look like you don't know where you're going. Can I help you? I was like, that was very kind of you, sir, with your <laughs> child in tow. No, oh, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing city. It's like everyone's so polite. You know, people say that they're like rude or but they're not rude. It's just they're actually some of the nicest people like on the planet. Actually, <laughs> sometimes they just they get flustered with like dealing with us crazy foreigners all the time. But, you know, otherwise, right. it's like such a clean city and everyone's so polite. So, yeah, I definitely want to go back. Oh my God, it, it blew my mind. I was still smoking cigarettes at the time. And like the fact that it's like, you do not smoke a cigarette walking down the street. Like you want to smoke, you go to the designated smoking area. I pretty much just stopped smoking for that trip. And, you know, because it was like, okay, this is, this is not worth it. Worth it. So I guess the kind of social pressure there uh, was pretty effective in that regard. 
but yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. It's, it's massive too. What is it like 15 million people, something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think it's like almost approaching the population of Canada in like a small city. (laughs) It's it's mind blowing the scale. And, and what's even more impressive is the fact they keep everything so clean. Um, you know, it's, and I think it's a a part of the fact that they don't really have anything to, there's not many, there's not much of a to go culture. You're not like taking food anywhere. No one carries around stuff to like, so there's like no garbage cans anywhere, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's that, very that, clean. That was a trip, the lack of garbage cans. And I know some of that is because there was the like a terrorist attack there mm. a while ago where there was, I think it was like sarin gas was put in uh, garbage cans. And so I, I heard that that is one of the reasons why they don't, in addition to just being much tidier than, let's say, probably your average American or Canadian. I can't speak for those of you north of the border, but... Uh, no, it's I, the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, man, it's, it's great to have you on here. Uh, we're just going to flow with this. I've got some questions for you just because, uh, put the feeler out there that you were coming on. And I know people always have questions for you. I've also got a list of enhancement requests. Uh, no, I'm oh, just great. fucking, no, I'm <laughs> absolutely <laughs> kidding on that. List them out. Let's go. No, no, with. no. I, I have no enhancement requests. Uh, <laughs> just keep doing whatever you think is best because it's working, but yeah, we'll, we'll flow through this and, uh, have some fun along the way, I think. And yeah, I'll do just a quick intro and then we'll dive right in. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Well, greetings and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker and this is the Bitcoin podcast. Today's episode is Bitcoin talk, but I have a feeling it will be more of a Noster talk or just a talking talk. But I'm joined today by Damas creator, Will Kasserin, aka JB55, aka Wild Bill, I'm so I, I yeah I just I decided it sounded <laughs> like a cool Bill. nickname for you um and I know you're uh you were Bill Kasserin on yes. the App Store for a while now now I think it's under Damas uh but I remember seeing that I was like Bill okay well Wild Bill it is well my middle name is uh Robert so my cousins used to call me Billy Bob so if you really want to annoy me you can call me Billy Bob wow okay I'll, <laughs> I'm just gonna save that one away in my back pocket uh, for for later but. You are creator of Damas, uh, which pretty much launched, I think, the more mainstream awareness of uh, of Noster in general. I'm also going to say Noster throughout. I know you, I know you're a Noster guy, and you definitely know better than me. But I can't change the habit at this point. It's just it's stuck as Noster in my head. So just a fair warning. That's fine. Yeah, but that was a. It's we're coming up on like a year now since I joined Noster. It was early December. That was right around, you know, I remember I joined, you gave me a, a warm welcome, you and a couple others that were that were on there. I was using Domus on test flight. I had heard about Noster maybe uh, maybe six months before that, because I was just perusing Fiat Joff's GitHub as one does. And I saw this Noster thing and I was like, what what is this? And then thought no more of it at the time. I was like, I I'm not technical enough to understand what's going on with these things. So whatever. Then saw you post about Damas and that it was on test flight. And I was like, well, that's really neat. Let me try this out. Carl was on there like a few hours later. We were playing around on there. And then a couple days later, it was like Jack was on there kind of and posted about it on Twitter and things just blew up. That was also right around the time that Elon decided it was a good idea to publicly name Noster as the list of like no, no words and no, no apps that, you know, they were going to block and weren't going to link to. 
which was just a like a Streisand effect moment, I think, where yeah. people were like, hold on, I've never even, what is this Noster? Like I've heard of all these other ones. Mm. I've never heard of Noster. But, you know, maybe I would love to kind of hear how that time was for you. But maybe first we just back up a little bit because I know you were a, uh, you worked on Bitcoin. You were a developer on Lightning. You were working with a, uh, a record label that was selling uh, and utilizing Bitcoin back in maybe 2017, 2018, something 2013, like that. 2013, yeah. Oh my God, 2013. And yeah. you, you uh, I think you heard about Bitcoin for the first time in like 2010. You were, you know, mining on GPUs at that point, which is wild looking back. But maybe we can just start out with who is Wild Bill Kasserin, <laughs> aka Will, and how did he get here today to now being the uh, the creator of Domus, which is the biggest and still pretty much well, not the only anymore, but still the biggest iOS Noster client. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just a big nerd, computer nerd, uh, who just likes tinkering with computers and likes tinkering with new tech. I've always kind of been obsessed with, you know, how technology can, you know, bring us into, you know, the Star Trek future. Like, that's what, that's what I want to be working on. I want to, I want to be working on, you know, Dyson spheres and spaceships and stuff. But I feel like before we can get there, uh, we need to, like, fix our money, right? And, and fix some of the core things that are broken in our society. Like, we, we can't even speak freely to each other online without like being feared of, you know, being censored. So, you know, I feel like at this one point in time, like I feel like as a software engineer, I can have a huge impact just from like writing some code. And so that's that's like the most motivating thing that keeps me going every day. It's just this idea where you can make these huge impacts just from writing a bit of code, which is just like crazy to think about, right? Like our ancestors, you know, they were building like skyscrapers and like nuclear and like the Manhattan Project and physical things and like things that are way harder than this. But, um, you know, to, I'm just like this nobody in my closet and I can start doing these crazy impacts in the world. So I think that's just a, it's a really cool time to be a software engineer. Man, amen. To be fair, our forefathers would look at these crazy lines of computer code and think, what is this like alien witchcraft that these guys are doing? <laughs> I would probably uh, be burned at the stake at this point. Most certainly <laughs> uh, you are a heretic who is somehow making magic internet money uh and doing all sorts of nefarious things but so that's a, a a great little intro but now let's let's fast forward you'd been working on noster for how long before the things really started to blow up how long were you working on damas did you work on anything else besides that in the noster <laughs> ecosystem yeah, so Nostra was just like a, a side project, the, the client I was working on. Um, you know, this was just a hobby. I used to pretty much only work on it on weekends because I had a full-time job at the time working on a startup. Um, and I, I and I was mainly working on Lightning because I was, you know, I was working on Core Lightning. I was working a lot on, on an app called Ellen Link, which was a Core Lightning wallet, um, which I still use for my zapping. Uh, I think I'm the nice. only user of that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and I just, you know, I just, I just love the Lightning Network. I just, you know, I, I loved how it was showing how Bitcoin could actually work as a payment option. Because I've always been a huge proponent of actually using Bitcoin and not holding it. You know, some of my best stories is just giving away to, way too much Bitcoin. And now I like, I'm in, I'm in pain thinking about how much I give away. <laughs> but in some sense, it's like, well, you know, but those are the moments I'll, I'll remember. And I'll, it's like, those are all the very important learning moments in my life. So, and it was, and the people who received those Bitcoin are, you know, well, most of them lost the Bitcoin. Because, <laughs> um but you know, I just I just love the idea of actually using it um, for its intended purpose because otherwise you're not 
using this beautiful thing that Satoshi gave us, like this, even like the script interpreter within Bitcoin. I just, it's just this beautiful thing that I've written software for. And, you know, so I feel like Lightning Network was like that first time where you can actually use Bitcoin. So, um, so I've always been really passionate about it, but I ran into this issue where I realized not many people knew about it, not many people, it was too hard to use. So I was really passionate about just uh, making it easier for people to use Lightning. Um, yeah, so Nostra was just a side project. And um, and yes, it just I started in April 2020. Yeah, April of last year. Um, so it took like, and, and then that December is when Jack found it and then kind of blew up. But uh, yeah, it was just a side project. <laughs> Well, uh, it's amazing what can what can come of uh, of just a side project. It's uh, kind of a, a beautiful thing. But, you know, I, I still remember uh, one of like Jack's first notes on there was something to the effect of uh, this is just like this is just what Twitter felt like pre 5000 users. And it was just such a cool thing to see. Uh, I don't think I joined Twitter until 2010, maybe. So a couple of years behind the early adopters of that, but it was a pretty neat feeling to see all of a sudden you've got Jack Dorsey, uh, who is just like this, you know, legend, uh, and who built this incredibly, incredibly useful platform that, you know, got taken in certain directions that I think he's probably, uh, you know, not as happy about some of the ways that it went. But ultimately, he built something that was so, so valuable. And then for him to provide that signal to say, I see something that is as valuable or more so than the thing I was building, that was just like huge for me where I was like, wow, this is really amazing. And I'm not a developer. Uh, I don't write code. And so I was like, well, at least let me just use the ever-loving shit out of this beautiful <laughs> protocol and try to mess around on it and try to tell people about it. You know, soon after that initial kind of uh, blow up, it was like, I think it was, was it early January you implemented Zaps? I think you were talking about the spec in late 2022, like late December, and then January it went live. Uh, how, when, how long had you been kind of working on that idea for Zaps? Was that coming from like, from the start when you, you know, cause you had all this background on lightning, you were like, this just makes sense. Or did it kind of develop a little as you went along? Yeah, I didn't think it was possible because I was thinking about it for like the past year. And I just thought like, well, you'd never be able to verify them properly. Um, and that's like, it's still kind of true. You don't really know if a zap is real. And that's why if you have a zapper who's like creating fake zaps, like, yeah, that's that's possible. But I at least got to a point where I was like, well, if you controlled your own node, you know for sure that the, the zaps that your node's sending out are, are, are true are, and correct. So I thought that was like, useful enough for most people um, that I was like, you know what, I'll just gonna bite the bullet and write the spec. I, I thought at one point I might do bolt 12 to do it, but then I realized like I could probably do it with LN neural. Um, so yeah, it was a long time coming and it was a lot of, it took a long time, but back and forth. I worked with Kieran as well. He, he refined the spec early on. Um, but yeah, it's once, once I released it, it just to see, to see the explosion of activity around it was insane. Like I think, I think snort had it implemented and amethyst had it implemented or snort, I think had it implemented before I even had it in Domus Cause he just, reverse engineer what I had and, and, and implemented it. Um, so but to see the energy and to see the, uh, the excitement around it was mind blowing. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it was, Noster was already so interesting to so many people before that, but the addition of Zaps made it something I think that was just naturally attractive for any Bitcoiner, especially one who maybe was a little bit 
maybe a little hesitant about this, you know, new social media thing, yeah. because that's all they knew about it was, oh, that's just some new social media app, like not having any of the in-depth knowledge of this yet, not maybe realizing the parallels of a decentralized protocol, uh, you know, as is Bitcoin. But as soon as apps come into play, it's like, oh, wait, we can just send Bitcoin to each other. <laughs> And, and there's, you know, no one in the middle, maybe there's a, you know, if you're using a custodial wallet, sure. There's a, a, a custodian in the middle handling that Bitcoin, but that was such a powerful thing. And it was a little bit after you implemented zaps that you also got the news that China had uh, requested kindly that Damas be pulled from the app store in China. And I still remember, remember that. I mean, <laughs> Do you think it'll ever be back on the app store in China in some distant future, A? And then B, um, I don't know, like, how was that as far as just a roller coaster of emotions? Like, you're building this new stuff, and it's amazing, and people are loving it, and people are using it all over the world. And then it's like, CCP is basically like, nope, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God, you're making me remember all this crazy shit that happened in, like... It was crazy, wasn't it? Like the whole nostril. Yeah, it started with that nostril post from from Elon, and that's where it, I think that was the craziest thing. Like yeah. to actually see because you know there was a lot of craziness going on around that time, and then the CCP thing happened, which was like, what the hell? Um, so I, you obviously like you know struck a lot of like chords somewhere, um, and people were paying attention. Um, whether you know someone was saying the CCP was like posting on Nostr, like maybe they're doing like counter. <laughs> counter counter like, propaganda, propaganda of some sort they're like they're trying to like flood it with stuff to make it look like it's a ccp operative or something op operation i don't know i mean um, i wouldn't put it past them i guess you never know yeah i don't know i, don't, I mean I, I think people in china are still using it i, I get messages every now every now and then that like oh yeah i'm still using it we're using it within the country so it's pretty cool um and it shows the power of this technology that's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to stop like uh, they're gonna have a hard time stopping it uh, but and it's yeah. interesting there's um you know, you mentioned there's a lot of Bitcoiners that joined. And it's interesting, there's still lots of Bitcoiners who are still very skeptical of Nostra. And I'm curious, I'm curious what their mindset are, what their mindset is, because, you know, it's working, you can get Bitcoins, so like, what's what's not to like, really? I don't know. I, I do see that sometimes still. I saw today that uh, that Stacy Herbert yes. joined Nostra, which is great. She was a little bit of a holdout. It's great to, to have her uh, part of the flock. I, you know, I, I don't know what the... The hesitation is, I think perhaps, I, I guess if you're an on-chain maximalist mm. with Bitcoin, you're like, oh, this lightning isn't even real. Like, I'm not even going right. to waste my time with it. Maybe that's one thing, but I feel like that's probably a pretty small minority. Mm. Uh, I think maybe for a lot of people, it's still just, uh, maybe it just still feels so <laughs> new and feeling like you're you're behind the wave, even though it's still, you know, we're still so early, as we say. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. And, and people keep linking me this Parker Lewis argument, which is like this idea where Nostra is taking away the brain energy from the Bitcoin space. Uh, and I don't, and I just don't see it that way. I, I just see it as a way to like inject new blood in, into Bitcoin. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird perspective, perspective, but I've heard that a lot as well. I, I haven't heard, I, I, or I should say, I haven't read that article from Parker. I'll have to check that out. You know, one uh, I had, Preston Pish on this show as one of my first guests. And one thing he said I thought was super insightful about, because he is like a full Noster bull, like absolutely loves it. I mean, you know, he's been on 
since the beginning, trying to figure out how to get relays running and just experimenting and having a good time, shit posting uh, and zapping, of course. But he basically said uh, that he thinks that Noster is on a level of importance with Bitcoin because free and open communication is on par with free and open money. And he made the point further that without decentralized communication channels, without censorship resistant communication channels, how are you going to actually coordinate the exchange of value between two people across the world and know that, okay, uh, when I'm sending you my address, you're actually receiving my address because I know that, it, you know, I'm sending this to your, your Noster keys. So he views Noster at a more macro level as like, this is the way you're coordinating economically to be able to actually, you know, utilize Bitcoin in its censorship resistant way. You need to be able to communicate between people in a censorship resistant way, yeah. which I thought was like, once he said it, I was like, yeah, that's a excellent argument for it. So I, I, I don't see that. I, I don't think I can agree with the brain drain argument because I view these two things as being kind of developed in tandem uh, and helping to build off each other. Yeah. And it's, and it's not zero sum. It's like we're going to attract new developers and those developers might get interested in Bitcoin. Um, <clears throat> no, but that, that point about like free speech and, and like speech online is is becoming increasingly important, especially during elections um, in the States where there's been concern of a lot of censorship and a lot of you know, propaganda and control of these, you know, big tech corporations to spread, you know, certain message to try to sway the, you know, population to vote a certain way. So we might see Nostra become like actually like an, um, an election topic. And people within, within some administrations actually are, are talking about it right now. And they've, they've been talking to me as well about like, they want to make it um, a part of their campaign is like, look, this is, could be a way to bring like, to restore democracy in the United States. So if we, if we, if it went that big and it went into the political sphere, that would be, that could be the point where it kind of takes off, which would be really interesting. Oh, that, I know that uh, RFK or at least somebody in his team uh, joined Noster. Well, yeah. It was a number of months ago now. I think it was maybe around uh, the Miami Bitcoin conference. I don't know how active he's been on it since then. But it's also interesting. I mean, if you've seen the stuff uh, Brett Morrison is doing with TrueVote, mm. where he's utilizing Bitcoin and open timestamps and and Noster, uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Again, right now Noster is a uh, is being used as a social media decentralized social media protocol, but obviously it is an open protocol that you can build absolutely anything on. Starting with, you know, social media is an obvious first thing because it's what people want, right? It's something that's going to actually attract users, attract people to use this protocol. But I'm curious kind of what, what you're most excited about in terms of the next evolutions. I know that you've been really jazzed about, uh, about kind of email replacements. I think you've been working on one maybe as another side project for, <laughs> for a while, but what do you kind of see as like, coming next down the pipeline, there's probably still a long way to go on getting uh, massive adoption of the social media side of Noster. But what do you think comes alongside or comes after that, that you're really looking forward to and you think where this protocol is going to really, you know, uh, kind of shine? Yeah, I mean, so uh, like a lot of the things we use, you know, they're kind of you, they're all your data is, is you know closed behind silos and you can't really see you don't have access to it. it's not really transparent um so like this whole idea of like radical transparency with the data is, is kind of an interesting idea 
And so that's why I really like that 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 idea with like the um the true vote or whatever that app was where mm-hmm. you know even like I'm not even sure how 100% works but even just the fact that you can pull notes from a public database and and actually have some transparency around notes and you can see everyone who signed everything and you can you can tally everything and make sure like the tally is correct like even that that simple thing is a very very powerful idea I think a lot of people lost trust within the, in these systems because they're being counted behind like curtains and you can't see the process where Nostra radically opens up everything. Um, so that's one thing that's maybe we'll see more of that, this idea of like transparency and how that affects, um, you know, these types of systems. But also, you know, even just if, you know, the corporate world, I really I'm really interested in, you know, what if we could you know get more of, like corporations on what if we have a suite of tools for like Slack and email and, you know, business related tools that, you know, and that could actually be a good way to make a sustainable and profitable Nostra business. So, you know, what types of, what types of like corporate solutions are we, are we building on Nostra is, is really interesting. Obviously all the other public stuff as well, like Zapstream, um, you know, the, the Flockster is really cool. It's like, can we replace meetup? Cause meetup sucks. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I guess overall, just like, what does, what does it look like when all these apps are working together? You know, what does it mean for a Flockster to talk to your Slack app or your Flockster to talk to your Domus app and, what happens when you're making highlights and so i think this greater move toward like you know really showcasing the interoperability features and what that how that plays out is is really exciting to me as well so but yeah again we're just so early we're we're not even scratching the surface really if you're barely scratching the surface of your christmas shopping list and if you're looking for a great gift for friends family or yourself Head to bitbox.swiss walker and use promo code walker for 5% off the Bitcoin-only Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. It's easy as hell to use, Bitcoin-only, fully open source, so you can see the firmware, the app, even x-rays of the hardware and other schematics. Go to their GitHub and verify for yourself. Don't trust me. Hell, build one for yourself if you feel like it. Or just go to bitbox.swiss walker and use promo code walker for 5% off. It's really up to you. No, it's 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 so true, and I, I think that's a really interesting point about kind of the uh, let's say the corporate world, or I mean, even if you think about uh, governments, you know, even maybe it's even something small, maybe it's local municipalities, but just being able to coordinate and communicate in a secure way, and and to you know, if a like imagine if a, a nation state, maybe the CCP was the first nation state to run a relay, who knows. Uh, but I, I think that we could we could legitimately see that happening in the not so distant future, where it just makes sense whether it be for their own internal communication or to perhaps to try and you know get people onto their relay and be able to see what they're saying, uh, because it is a you know uh, pretty radically transparent. So, well, it was interesting because we'll I went see. to this this, this um, digital sovereignty conference in, in in Spain, and I thought it was it'd be interesting to go to because it wasn't a standard Bitcoin conference I normally go to, and it was full of like a lot of like EU like government people, you know, people I wouldn't normally talk to, um, but it was interesting because they were I was telling them about Nostra and like you know like wow they're like we could use this for at the UN like I was talking to like this the IT guy for like some UN organization, and they're like this seems like this would be great for like independence from tech corporations like that's what we need to be if we need to be neutral I'm like yeah perfect like use a relay like start building this up he's like oh well we need these clients and stuff I'm like we need these types of tools i'm like well these are the things we could be building you know even though it's for government but like you know governments are here for now until we turn into like an ancap state you know we might as well make it you know give them proper technology versus whatever closed source systems they're using right now so 
God, it is just absurd how not only closed source, but just antiquated so many fucking government systems are like any time you try to do like literally anything like the fact that you're still need to send physical paper uh, so often for things that are quote official or the fact that we use social security numbers <laughs> as basically in, in the US as basically like our de facto identity that's like keep this number safe otherwise somebody can steal your identity and this was literally invented like specifically just for social security and then they later realized oh wait we need like a universal identifier for our population. So uh, we've got these social security numbers. Let's just use that. But like the system was never built for that to be the end all be all of identification. And it's just another example of like government basically just, it's like, well, if it's broke, let's not fix it. You know, they're just, there's no desire to actually improve or innovate there. I, I but, think my, I my, mean, C, my CRA account, which is like the IRS in Canada, it got hacked, okay. I guess. And so I got locked oh, out of my good. my tax account, which is like this is great. I'm locked out of my tax account. I can't do anything. Oh yeah, I guess you don't <laughs> have to pay then, right? <laughs> but to like fix it, I had to like fax like all like all my identity and stuff. And I like the I don't have a fax. So I'd use like an app that did faxing, and then like it didn't work. I'm like, this is just what am I doing faxing in 2023? Well, Paul Krugman <laughs> is definitely still faxing in 2023. <laughs> but uh, for the rest of us, it's like okay, gonna have to go down to like a local FedEx or USPS and use their fax machine. This is this is fucking ridiculous, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's a, the nice thing is, I think that the pace of government, uh, innovation is so far behind the private sector and certainly so far behind the open source community that it's kind of like this nice barrier. Uh, it, like it takes the government so long just to catch on to the fact that something is like, they maybe should pay attention to Noster. It's just, it's going to take them a long time, but that's like a good thing. It's like with Bitcoin too. They ignore it or they don't even know about it for several years. Then they hear about it and then they ignore it for a while. And then when they finally decide, you know what, we should, we got to do something about this. It's like, well, too late, you know, cat's out of the bag. The genie's not going back in the lamp. Like it's here now. So that's kind of like a, I'm grateful to government for being so fucking slow <laughs> and inefficient because otherwise we would be we'd be in a lot more trouble, I think. And so uh, one thing I wanted to, uh, to talk about a little bit was on the topic of zaps and also on the topic of, let's say, uh, revenue models and general monetization, um, zapvertising. And now, you know, this is something you and I have, have talked about this, uh, at some length, uh, as soon as you came out with zaps, you put out a note that was basically put this idea in my head of advertising where it's like, well, you know, you could just, you could just pay to, for somebody to see your message because you can attach a note to this zap. And what an interesting thing that would be for companies to use. And I was like, wow, that's fucking brilliant. Recently, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, what people are, I think, calling spam zapping uh, with like one sat zaps uh, just flooding into their wallet of Satoshi or, well, now, uh, no longer Waldo Satoshi for a lot of us based people. That's a, that's a whole different topic, but I'm, I'm curious on just kind of your take because I see both sides of the, the zap spam, like nobody likes spam, right? Nobody likes getting force fed advertisements at the same time. This is like the first sort of spam that you're actually getting paid for <laughs> and you're getting paid for in hard money. And yes, it's a very, very, very small, you know, just one sat or two sats, but at least it's still something. 
I mean, I think the easy answer to that is like message threat or uh, message thresholds yeah. for the zap. I think Kaye implemented this already um, in uh, his Telegram bot. But I'm curious if your thoughts on Zapvertising on this being perhaps an interesting way to bring in, let's say, more monetary value to the protocol has evolved at all. Uh, and just kind of if you maybe at a zooming out, do you have anything in mind for sort of the future of Zaps in general from the user facing perspective? Uh, hopefully, Apple allows you to put it back on at some point mm -hmm. in the future, but I'd love to get your take on that. <clears throat> Well, it's interesting because I think that, so I think we were in Prague and you're about to do a advertising talk and that's when I added it to the notes, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that triggered something with an Apple and that's what eventually led to the, the notes apps getting removed. Cause I'm pretty sure it was also really? freedom forum was after that, after Prague, I'm pretty sure. And that's yes. when they first announced it. So I, th I think there, there was something that got triggered with an Apple because of that. <laughs> so, oh, so you're, it's your fault. <laughs> oh, no, I just God. joking. Um, Here we go. No, I, I just think they like kind of got spooked. They're like, whoa, like a, an advertising model like doesn't go through. I don't know. There's something that went up the higher. Um, but I, I think it's still a great idea. I mean, I removed it temporarily because of that. But there's, I'm going to re-add it because it's uh, it just makes a lot of sense. It, it's kind of cool. Some people were complaining about it that, oh, well, that, you know, people can just pay for a spot under my thread. So, you know, so maybe there'd be an option to disable it if you're a user. You don't want to see that. But I think it was pretty cool um, that people could leave uh, messages. Um, yeah, in terms of the one, I mean, the one zap messages are kind of annoying. It's like people flinging pennies at you. Like if you're just, yeah. it's like, okay, get, that's nice, but you know, stop. So maybe it's a super easy thing to do the threshold thing. Like you, like you mentioned, you would just, uh, Dom is going to have, um, push notifications soon. So there's going to be an option where you just don't notify me if it's under 20 sats or something. And that's pretty easy to do. So nice. No, I, I think that that's, that, that's huge. And I, I do agree with the, the flinging pennies analogy because it's, <laughs> In my opinion, it's like, okay, you're, uh, you're telling me, like, that's the beauty of Zaps, right? It is a signal about how much value you assign to what you are doing uh, and how much value you assign to that other person's attention or to their work if you're just zapping them for the sake of you liked what they, what they noted. But it, it's probably a good idea for anyone listening, if you're, if you're trying to advertise to at least up the sats, <laughs> like, just a little bit. Uh, you know, keep your zapping budget the same, but just uh, decrease the frequency and increase the the value a little bit. Because I, I, I'm personally a, a I've been with six nine six ever since I could, you know, default my zap amount, and uh, that's that's felt like a good number for me. It's like if we're talking in fiat terms, I think like twenty four cents right yeah. now. and and this Maybe is twenty five after today. Who knows? Yeah, and and <laughs> and this is why I set the default to a thousand because. You know, I, I never intended zaps to be something you like you click on every post. It's like you if you really like a post, then you you should zap it a high amount. It's, I feel like that's more impactful than just getting like 25 five sat zaps. Right. Um, so but it's yeah, I, mean, I think once we introduce one tap zap, people just decide to like reduce the default amount to like five and it's just and zap everything, which is which is fine. But I don't know. I don't know if like that is as, as impactful as it could be, though. It, it does kind of. uh because I, I love the way you were describing zaps originally and, and still to this day, but it's, it's, it's a value signal, right? And so if you make it so that it is such an insignificant amount that it is no longer, you know, quote, valuable, you've just kind of replicated likes again, but yeah, just with a, exactly. 
really, really <laughs> tiny micro payment for it. So, so this is uh, this is why we wanted to, and this is why we, uh, at the, at Domus HQ we've been looking at ways to what would incentivize people to actually want to zap higher amounts. Um, you know, some and 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 ways to get around the the whole note zapping issue that Apple does not allow. Um, so one of the things they do allow, which is interesting, is you're allowed to buy physical things with zaps. Um, it's like for some reason, I think it they made that concession because I'm guessing Instagram, because Instagram has a physical store where you can sell stuff. And the idea of them taking a 30% tax off of physical purchases on Instagram might have been like way too much or something. So maybe they have this concession for that. So I was thinking maybe, you know, what if you wanted to buy something physical for someone else? I'm, I'm, it, the, the guidelines is not really clear about that. So I'd have to like see if that's allowed. But imagine if you put on a post that you said, hey, I'm having lunch right now. It'd be cool if someone bought my lunch. It's like 50,000 sats. And anyone can click that button or maybe do it more than once. So you're buying a physical purchase um, for them. Uh, maybe that's considered a note zap. I don't know. But I'm just trying to, I was trying to think of loopholes to get around it. No, I, I think that, that that makes sense. It's also such a, like, it's one of those things. It's like, this is just a stupid rule. <laughs> Like this, this just doesn't actually make any logical sense. Like you, because, uh, LN URL invoices or just lightning invoices, regular ones are just strings of characters. It's like, you can just post them anywhere and anyone can pay them. And you can do this literally on any social media platform, you know, yeah. Noster aside, you can do it on Facebook and you can do it on Twitter and you can do it on Instagram and anything. And it's like to draw this line at, no, you can't do it at the, the post, uh, specific level just seems so like obtuse to they me. specifically have an issue when it's a button like you know you can post a lightning invoice on twitter and someone could pay it but for some reason if you turn that invoice into a button that's not allowed like technically i don't think invoices are allowed and damas has this right now both 11 invoices that converts into a button i don't think that's allowed because it's like a button you press and to buy something mm. um but they haven't really caught that i guess <laughs> um what makes i just don't under, like what could possibly make the fact that something is a button like is it does it make it too easy so the, like yeah, is that their justification for so the guideline says it says um i forget the exact wording but it's something along the lines of if you encourage people to if you make it easy for or if that will if that transaction ever ends up being a sale of some type if it, if it ends up encouraging sales of things. So imagine if you did a post that was like, I'm, I'm selling these shoes or I'm sorry, I'm selling this like JPEG, you know, send me 50,000 sats and the person who sends me 50,000 sats, then I'll send them the JPEG. Um, so that's like technically not allowed because you're anyway. So I don't know, just having the zap button there apparently isn't encouraging people to do those things, but you can, you can do those things anyway. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, right. And it's like the fact that they're okay with the transaction of physical goods, right? If there's, if there's a physical good involved, but it's like, as soon as it's a digital or virtual good, that's like, that's where they draw the line again, just seems like, I think they're just, they're just trying to protect that, that huge revenue stream of 30% on digital purchases and, you know, anything that encroaches on that, they're going to try to stop. So they don't even have to follow their own guidelines, right? They can change the guideline right. if it doesn't match what they want to do. So, I mean, that's kind of the, that's the bitch of working with these app stores. I know that the EU, I, I believe it was passed, but didn't they just put something through that Apple's going to have to allow alternate <clears throat> app stores? Uh, that, that went through recently, didn't it? Yeah. So it all comes down to, you know, are people going to use this distribution method? Are people going to go um, download this? And like, how does, how does notifications, will notifications work on sideloaded apps? Because like, if you think about right. it, 
a lot of their app security relies on, you know, app store review. So if it's not on the app store, will like basic functionality work? Like probably not. Like, so will people even want to use them? Um, so whether they're allowed or not, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge impact. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is where like, uh, like PWAs, uh, are pretty useful for a lot of this. I, are, are, I mean, I guess you can, I think you can use Iris and Snort as, uh, like, you know, click add to home screen and put it on there. I, I haven't done that with Iris or Snort, but so I assume that it still works. Okay. The main issue with that is that, you know, so extensions don't work. Plugins don't work. Safari plugins don't work with PWAs. So if you want to view you, if you want to use a, a Nostra app as a PWA, you can't use the, the plugins that protect your private key. You know, on, 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 on iOS, we have a, an extension called no store and it, and it's a plugin for Safari on mobile and allows you to hide your private key from the web apps. You can't, can't use that with PWA. So, and that's, a, and that's going to be the theme with, with, um, you know, with Apple is that if, if it's too easy to get around the app store, they're going to just start gimping PWA so that you can't even, you know, that just no, no extensions is one example of that. So it's not like a perfect solution. No, I mean, that's a, that's a fair point. You know, I, I would like, because we're talking about Apple, uh, loving those sweet revenue streams of 30%. I'd like to shift a little bit to revenue streams of another manner. And that is with regard to, uh, to relays and incentive models. Oh, I think I think I'm going to start talking about footster. I, you know what I, just for you, just for you, I wore, uh, oh, yes, I wore a, let's go. a footster.com, uh, shirt. I, I haven't, uh, I haven't updated the website in a while. I got to get to that. But yeah, for anyone listening, footster.com, uh, go there and see some feet and then go on Noster and post your feet. Zap some feet. Uh, it will usher in the next bull run. Absolutely. I'm just sure of it. Uh, but uh, footster aside, we can circle back to that. <laughs> I, one of the topics that I think was really prevalent at Nostarica, and I'm curious if it was at Nostrasia as well, was monetization and just sustainable business models for relay operators and for client developers. Because obviously a lot of people have been doing a lot of this just kind of out of the goodness of their heart so far, but you know, electricity costs money and hardware costs money and upkeep costs money and your time is also very valuable. So, I mean, maybe it's, it's best to start on the client side, just and you obviously run a huge beefy relay for Damas, which is sure just a, uh, quite an endeavor to do by itself, but then you've also got Damas the client. And I'm curious if you've, if you've thought more about, I know in the past you've talked about, uh, kind of a, you know, a Damas purple or whatever you might call it. That's basically like a, a paid version that you look at as, you know, kind of like, okay, maybe you get some additional features, but also it's a way to, you know, you built something really valuable. People find it valuable and I think want to give value back. Have you thought of any other alternate models? Are you still leaning towards the kind of enhanced Domus purple version as the best bet or where's your thinking at on that now? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the value for value model was looking extremely promising, you know, um, especially if we, if I just knew if we scaled up the amount of users that, you know, and note zapping would have took us, to a place where it was, it would have been fine monetization wise, but obviously Apple acts that. So now, yeah, we've been forced to look at more at the traditional models like subscriptions and Damas purple. Um, so just, I think two days ago, I started working on some premium features for Damas, Damas purple. Uh, we're going to try it. Um, you know, I don't think we're, I don't think Noster is big enough that where it's going to make a huge impact. You know, it, it, it's fine if you just want to like pay for your servers, but if you're trying to like, if you're trying to take over the world, 
you know, you know, people, people want Domus Android, like, you know, that, that takes resources. We ended up hiring someone. Yeah. So we, fortunately we built, we were able to get a, the open sets grant for Domus iOS, uh, for like 150k, awesome. which is pretty good. And so that's paying, we, we use it, we're using that to pay an employee to like work on that. Daniel, he's really good. Um, but like, you know, what about Android? Right. So I, I'm currently not being paid. So now I'm kind of just like, I'm like, well, let's see if I can get another grant for, uh, for Android, but it's like, oh no, maybe I only, I only I already have one grant, so they're they're not really willing to do that right now. So it comes down to it's like, well, if I you can only get so far with grants, so, you know, what do we do? You know, you know, and you know, we have a merch store, and that's that's not really bringing in that much money. You know, so if, what about subscriptions? We calculated it, and it's like, well, even if we get a decent number, it's probably not going to be enough to even just pay for another employee. So it all comes down to it's like, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to? We want to scale this up like and then at some that point you need to think about like are you gonna do vc funding um which has always been something that like jack personally has told me like don't do it but i'm now i'm like jack well it's easy for you to say you know you made <laughs> you made like billions of dollars of vc funding um so now I'm, I'm kind of struggling with that right now and maybe i'll probably have another call with jack and like you know what year it's like been a year like what should we keep doing this route or like what's what's your idea uh, but it's it's been a really big challenge for me just trying to figure out i've had much more respect for like running a business now because it's it's a lot harder than it seems, and especially in this new space where not no one's merely making any money, right? So it's definitely challenging. No, and I, I mean it's difficult too because these are truly kind of uncharted waters, and especially I think when you're building in an you're building out in the open, it makes a lot of things more simple, but it certainly adds a layer of complexity. I think maybe there's sometimes this uh, a feeling by some that you know, well, this is you know, this is open source. So, you know, I'm just gonna, like, I don't need to pay anything for this. And, you know, nobody deserves my, my precious Bitcoins. But I think that there is an, an appetite. I'm looking forward to the premium features, because I know I will be happy to, to sign up for that. Uh, can you give us any of a, a sneak peek taste of what <laughs> some of the, just where your things, I don't want to spoil anything, but the general direction that you're thinking for some of the premium stuff? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I really like, the translation thing within Damas, the universal translator, but the biggest issue is the UX is just terrible. Like if I want to get, you know, the best, probably the best translator is Nostra.wine, uh, translate.nostra.wine, but you have to like fumble with API keys. And like when you reinstall Damas, it's like you lose your API key and it's just like a pain in the ass. So I figure like an obvious one is just provide that as a, as a premium feature. It's like you just get translations, they're turned on. Um, so that's, that was an obvious thing. So I, I implemented that two days ago and that's ready to go. Um, I really want to do a thing where if you're like the first person to subscribe, like I'm going to have like uh, numbers on the account. So if you're like one of the first, you can, you can say I'm number one. I, I was the first subscriber Ooh. and maybe you could show that off on your account. And, and this is like, and this is going to lead down to more what I really want to do. And I think that's probably the best bet for making money on this protocol is just um, really cool, you know, perks that you can add to your and flair you can add to your profile, right? You should maybe there's a limited time thing where it's like this month there's like a special feature you can make your profile look like golden or something and if it's only available for this month and you can buy it and to support damas and just let's just make like these pay i mean this model has been used by video games and like you know i think counter-strike is like a good example where you can buy skins it's like a billion dollar um, game <laughs> at this point just from the market so i don't know it's just that i'm gonna try that just because it's i gotta try everything um but uh absolutely in terms of premium features i want to definitely want to add more multi-account um, and maybe I won't even make multi-account premium, but um, yeah, I have to I have to think about it. <laughs> I'm still working on it. No, that's. I mean, honestly, I think multi-account is something that, uh, at least I know, switching between my 
Walker account, my Footster account, and my uh, Stop the Presses account, I would definitely pay for a premium feature like that. I think the skins are an interesting one too, because I, I just, uh, Carl and I just started playing Diablo 4. Mm. Uh, had, had never played it before. Uh, we were very deep in Baldur's Gate 3 before that. Oh, I love, I love Baldur's uh, Gate. Yeah, wow, what a game. We actually started our second playthrough of it. Then we were like, maybe we should try out Diablo. Uh, and there was a there was a Black Friday deal on it. So awesome. You guys went all but the way to Act 3? We went all the way to Act 4. It was an Act 4? Oh, I, I'm yeah. talking about Baldur's Gate. Oh, no, no, no. Bald, Baldur's <laughs> Gate. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, we played... Uh, we played all the way oh, through, so but good. it has amazing uh, couch co-play, which is fantastic oh, because like usually when we game, it's like one of us is playing, you know, if we're playing like the Witcher or like one of the newer Zelda games, it's just always single player. So finally being able to do a side-by-side, -side, it was like, yes, this is amazing. I'm going to get you on Diablo yeah. too. How could you have known? <laughs> uh, is it, is it too predictable? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean... I, I, I like a little hack and slash. What can I yep. say? You know, it's a, it's fun, but I was blown away. Cause I saw the whole, uh, just all the different skins and like the fact that you can buy all of that, uh, you know, these platinum coins for their in-game currency to upgrade these various skins. And depending on the season that it's in, yeah. you can get these different upgrades. And I'd read about some of it in one of, uh, I think it was actually one of dirt Gigi's pieces mm -hmm. where he wrote about how, uh, players within i think it was maybe diablo 2 basically switched to using a different type of uh or you know emergent basically in-game currency because the coins that were provided like the gold in game was was not very useful right. but i digress the point being it blows my mind people will pay like for these video games a lot of money for <clears throat> these cosmetic upgrades that often are maybe only lasting for a season and, and, and so and i think the core of it is it's the core of it is, is like you are you you're doing something that you're really passionate about you love the game yep you're with people who also love the game and you know it's just a way to kind of show off like you know i, I look cool or like but like how how that's not that different from a social network like video games are social networks in some sense so if you kind of like no, show exactly. off player, like oh like I'm, I'm being funny i have this funny clown profile this month or like just like something that's it's just i don't know so things like that i think could actually be a big a big uh thing in nostra but who knows it's still early so no, honestly, I, I think so too. And that was kind of what I was getting to is that like, I would find that honestly more attractive in a social network than I would in game. But granted, maybe I, I just haven't gotten deep into Diablo enough yet. Maybe I'll, I'll change my tune. Uh, maybe I'm biased towards towards Noster, <laughs> but I think that that's a, a good place to start with it. I mean, people like to have fun too. Like keep Noster fun, keep it weird, give people options to, you know, express themselves however they should choose maybe it's a an, an, a, an animation of cascading feet i don't know <laughs> just off the top of my head <laughs> i'm gonna have to add that now that you uh you gave me that idea it'll be a special feature where you can like send feet to people and it'll like rain down on their screen i i think it's a pretty nice idea <laughs> well <laughs> another thing um in terms of so that's kind of the client side in terms of the relay operator side because i think this is something where like this is what I heard, I think probably most frequently alongside the client monetization was relay monetization. Like what can we do for this? There's a lot of paid relays now, obviously, which is fantastic. I think people are happy to pay for that. They're happy to pay for something that's a little bit improved performance. Do you think that there are other models that like, what do you think about content specific relays? Like as in a relay that is just 
again, let's just off the top of our heads, use the example of feet. Um, cause it's just sitting right there, but this is, this is a footster relay. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there's a good opportunity there, whether it's feet, maybe it's just a, you know, an Instagram style relay. Maybe it's a TikTok style relay. That's only allowing short videos. I saw that, uh, I think, uh, was it, was it you or was it Pablo that just published something about 140 character limit that's relay that filters out? It was Pablo. You guys are both building so much constantly. <laughs> Sometimes I, I get it mixed up, but I think that's really cool. So like, do you think that that's a good model for relay operators to try and find their niche and then to say, okay, if you want this niche, that is something that you can pay as a premium offering to say, I value the content that this relay provides and curates for me. Is that something that's sustainable as it scales or is that just kind of a, a nice to have? Yeah. I mean, like, do we pay, you know, website operators for running websites? Like, do we pay Bitcoin nodes for running a Bitcoin node? I, like, I don't think there's this idea of like paying relays. I don't know even if it make even makes sense because relays are actually pretty cheap to run. Like I run mine and um, it's not, not that much money. And if, and if it gets too big, I just wipe it and start over. Like I did that recently with, with my relay. So I, I think this like this idea where, you know, relays, every relay needs to be making money is, is kind of silly. And like, imagine if the web, if you're, if that was like your vision of the web, where it's like every website need to be making money to stay online. Um, maybe if you're like a big relay, that's like hosting lots of content, then you may, maybe you want to find clever ways to monetize it. But, you know, we're moving to a more decentralized model in, in Nostra where you can run your small relay that only hosts your stuff and clients can still find your content. And maybe that's just running on a Raspberry Pi and, you know, monetization is not important. So I think, yeah, that's kind of like my, the, the, the thinking I'm moving toward recently is that it maybe it's not as important that people are talking about. I, you know, that's, I hadn't thought about it from kind of the, the web perspective before, but that makes a ton of sense. Like if every relay has to always be making money, that's maybe that's not as, as scalable. Um, and Cause it's pretty cheap. Maybe it's pretty it's going cheap to, to run a relay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's expensive for my relay because it's like the biggest relay. Because your relay is massive. Most relays are not that big, and to run it, you probably cost like twenty bucks a month. Like, it's not not a big deal. So, okay, okay. Now, I think that that's a that's a good perspective, and uh, perhaps people's thinking is going to evolve around that as we go forward. But back to content specific relays, do you think that that's something that is? <laughs> widely desired or do you think let's say maybe this is kind of goes down to the algorithmic front because i know you've been you are not anti-algorithm you are a chronological feed maximalist mm -hmm. so to speak but you're not anti-algorithm no. and i think for me and i'm guessing for you and for a lot of people i think the most important thing is just the ability to opt into something or opt out just as mm -hmm. long as you have a choice yeah. for how you see it so how do you kind of see the I think I heard in your Nostrasia talk, you said you think next year is going to be basically the the year of the algorithms mm -hmm. on Noster. What do you envision that looking like? Um, you know, are you still going to always be a chronological feed maximalist or is there a type of, is there like an in case you missed it feed? Like I know Jack's talked about that as one of the things that early Twitter did really well. It was like, you've been off for yeah. a little while. Here's what you missed when you come back. Like I'll be a, you know, an algorithm maxi when I, I program my own AI that just, it knows me so well and it picks stuff that it finds interesting for me. Like that would be really awesome. You know, I, it doesn't exist, exist yet, but you know, the important thing is that we set up these, our clients and our systems so that, you know, I can just plug in that AI bot when it's ready and, and it can start feeding me the, the algorithm. But, but the important thing is that it's my choice. 
and then I'm and I'm I get to choose. It's the same idea. It's the same arguments around moderation as well. You know, that was one of the big things that when I, was, when I went to this uh, concert, uh, this conference in Spain, they're worried about like, oh, what about like misinformation and disinformation? Well, it's like no, like those are only like the bigger the bigger concern is that you know you have one person deciding what's what's true and what's not true. Um, you know, so, you know, the market again, solves all these problems. If we have a market of algorithms, if we have a market of trust and safety teams, then you can pick and choose what you think is like appropriate level of moderation or the appropriate algorithm. Um, you know, the centralization part of it is what causes the, the negative effects of algorithms and moderation, not to say those things are bad on their own. It's just the centralization aspect of it. So yeah, I feel like Nostra is, is going to be really can have the best moderation. It's going to have the best algorithms because it's set up the right way. I think that that's honestly a phenomenal point, just that the the problem isn't moderation itself. It's the centralization of yeah. it. Because as things centralize, that means a smaller and smaller group of people get to decide what is, quote, best yeah. for everyone else. And, you know, invariably, one person's utopia is another person's dystopia. Like, that's just how it works. And so the the ability to have choice, I think is just freedom of choice is so important there. Another thing I wanted to touch on was, uh, I saw Jack talking the other day, I think he was quote, quote, noting, uh, rabble, uh, with regard to what's it going to really take to grow Noster. Um, and he was talking about search and I saw in true Noster style, like a little while, I think it was maybe earlier today where you posted like, okay, so I've been working <laughs> on coding up this, uh, this, uh, you know, plain t or, uh, you know, full text search <laughs> engine for the past eight hours. It's almost ready. First of all, just such a, a classic Noster moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's always things that happen. Like you know, I'm so not at a restaurant, like having a nice dinner with, with my family and like, you know, and then the bat sign goes up. It's like, Jack needs something. And like, and then I was like, well, you got to fix this. I'm like, fuck, fine. I'll do it. I like pull out my laptop, I write some code and like 28 hours later, it's like, all right, I got something working. Um, but that, that just goes to show, it's like, I, like, I actually do like respect, you know, Jack's, you know, he has his knowledge and his wisdom from his past, you know, building Twitter. It's like, I respect that. And like, I, I think he's right. Like, I think search would be amazing if we have, imagine if Nostra was a much better information, information, like searching, um, you know, device where you can just like put all your notes in one place um, and like search them efficiently. And like, it becomes way more powerful. And, you know, so yeah, I think he's right. And I think uh, that's why it's, it's almost done. I just did the rest of it today, mostly. So I'm excited to have it in Domus, hopefully soon. So. Honestly, that, that's awesome. And then the idea of kind of layering in value over the top of that, where, you know, even with things like highlighter.com mm -hmm. that Pablo built out, <laughs> where you're then assigning value to specific notes or to parts mm -hmm. of notes, you know, with, Zap, uh, with Zaps in general to the, the whole note, but with highlighter to parts of long form notes, that creates a, a really interesting layer on top of search where, you know, you have the potential to really make a value-based search algorithm, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. Um, granted, there are ways that you can, of course, as we talked about earlier, maybe game that with, you know, uh, let's, what would you call it? Wash yeah. sapping or something. But, you know, in general, I think that there's so much more potential there to actually deliver higher quality information uh, and a better search experience. Do you, do you anticipate, uh, is this, is the search engine going to be built within Domus or do you think this is going to be something separate? Yeah. So this search is, um, specifically, 
Um, so because as as a Domus person, I'm like a client maxi. So it's like everything. Whenever I see like some centralized service like Primal or something or some search relay, I'm like, fuck, I can do that within Domus. I'm going to do this. Uh, I want all of those features to be on your phone. And because why not? Like we have the technology to do that. Uh, so obviously it's not going to be have a full view of your entire of the entire network. You know, I can't store the entire search index for all of Nostr on your phone. But you know, when you're receiving notes and when you're receiving stuff, you're going to be building a local index of stuff you've seen. Um, you know, whether you go to someone's profile page, you don't scroll all the way down. There's still notes down there you might not have seen. Um, so your your phone will know about it. So when you search, it's going to try to search your local local notes. If it can't find anything, then maybe it'll hit a remote search relay to search for the rest of the the wider area wider network. So um, yeah, search is going to get a lot better very very soon, which is exciting. Honestly, that's that's awesome because it, I feel like it's uh, there's. <laughs> I've only been on this protocol for just just shy of a year now, and already I'm like I've bookmarked a lot of stuff. Like that was a really nice, uh, really nice feature to be able to use. But there's so many things where I'm just like, oh, I remember so you know somebody said this like months ago, and I'm trying to find it, and it's like trying to scroll, and it it's it makes it difficult. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's a also a, I think search is a just a big part of discovery in mm. general. Like when you have a more advanced searching method it makes discovery a little bit easier. I know on Damas now, uh, you know, for some time now, there's been the ability to follow hashtags, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is, is really nice for people who are just getting started. And I, when I was switching, uh, switching between, uh, accounts, maybe it was like a month ago or so. I saw that the, I saw the onboarding experience again for the first time in a while. And it looks, it looks great. Like I still remember the first time I onboarded to Damas, but now it's like, it's very nice. I think you give some, some, you know, here's some hashtags that people typically follow. Here's some, you know, accounts that fall into each of these categories. Are you guys building that out some more? Do you think that that kind of onboarding process is an area just across Nostr or across different clients that can be improved upon a lot? Or what do you think is kind of the, is that a big part of hashtag grow Nostr or is it more about the external outreach? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the reason we built all that stuff is it's the number one thing that people complain about is when I, when we get feedback from users, and it's the number one thing was like when we watch users use Domus, like they'll go, they'll open up, they'll create an account, and then they'll just not follow anyone, and they'll just like they'll, they'll leave, and they're like, "What is this?" It's just it's there's just no, there's nothing it just, here. It follows the Domus account by default. I've actually finally removed following me because like people are like, "What the fuck is this like crazy guy with like laser eyes in my feed?" It's all I see when I first join. Um, so I think that was good feedback from Jack. He's like, you need to not auto follow you. I'm like, okay, that's probably, that's probably true. I'm kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> so, so that was helpful for onboarding. Um, but then it's just like, yeah, having like recommended, you know, people to follow is kind of important. I think, I think I lose perspective of that. You know, I'm biased because I, I've had my account already and I have all my followers. I don't really care about onboarding, but it's a struggle for a lot of people. And I, sometimes it's, I, I need to remind myself of like logging out and creating a new account to see how bad it is that experience. Um, another thing we want to do, is, which would be kind of cool, is um, is uh, imagine if you wanted to onboard your friend and you know like the types of accounts they would like to follow. So you maybe you would create this code where they, if you if you sign up with Domus and you enter this code, then you'll have your account set up with people already automatically followed. Um, so we're looking at that as well as like an onboarding thing. So yeah, we think it's pretty we're pretty important for you know just getting people to um, you know this overall idea of retention, which is something we've been focusing on a lot more at Domus. Um, so that's why we're doing push notifications, you know, onboarding, um, cause yeah, because people are just le coming and leaving and that's not going to work. So I think that that's, it's such a tricky thing too, because 
I mean, it's much like with uh, an experience using Bitcoin. If somebody has a, a difficult, even just like marginally difficult or not optimal initial yeah. experience, it can just be the only thing that sticks in their head for maybe years afterwards where they're like, I, you know, I tried this Bitcoin thing or I tried Noster and it just didn't, it, you know, it just comes down to like, it didn't work. Yeah. You know, it just didn't work. And to make, basically to make it as foolproof as possible, where it's like, when you're coming in, you don't have to make too many decisions because as you get to the a broader and broader user base, it's like, okay, uh, you need to, oh, well, hello there, little furball. <laughs> oh, <this is> Penny. <laughs> well, hello there, Penny. Does, uh, does, does she have an account? Uh, not yet. You want, should we set up an account for you? I think there's a pretty pretty big catster community. <laughs> I, I don't have a cat, but I, I do see a good amount of catster posts. Sorry, we we uh, we lost the train of thought thing. I think. Oh <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. Well, you know what? Uh, that's the that's the beauty of these free roaming discussions. Because I did actually there was one other thing uh, on the topic of onboarding uh, and just new folks in general. Do you who do you think is going to be the next wave of? Nostriches, the next wave of Noster adopters, and perhaps a better way to frame it would be: Who do you think the next like community of people is that's going to get censored by whatever platform they're using right now? Like you know, we had a pretty big influx of redditors right. uh, recently, and I think that much like Bitcoin, a lot of people will come to Noster because their hand is forced a little bit they're not going to necessarily seek it out when everything's working fine on their centralized right. platform. But once they start to feel the pain a little bit, once they realized, Oh, okay, I, I can be censored or I'm not seeing uh, what I would like to be seeing because somebody else is controlling the information flow that forces people to, to get smart, you know, and to figure out, okay, what alternatives are out there? So do you have a feeling for maybe, you know, maybe it's going to be a lot of folks in the, the media sphere who realize, you know what, I need to have a way to do censorship resistant publishing mm. and have, uh, you know, and maybe they're running their own relay just to be able to have their own backlog of, of information they put out. But I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I mean, what we've been seeing is that every now and then like a country will just like come online, <laughs> like with like Thailand was just a thing like CM hashtag CMster, you know, all of a sudden, like a large geographical area, just like, came on board usually from a viral you know tiktok tiktok video from some influencer in thailand and that's enough to kind of just bring large large groups of people and one one way we've been, we've been supporting that at domus is that we'll notice this and they'll start set, they'll start creating their own like geographical relays within that area so now we have a feature in domus where if you have that region set on your phone it'll automatically add those bootstrap relays uh, so again going toward this idea of, in, of engagement like you're more likely to be you want to interact with people who are speaking that language. Um, so it makes sense to have that in your bootstrap relay list. So that's just one thing we've noticed. Um, you know, obviously North America is, is actually one of the biggest users of Nostra right now. So maybe, yeah, get more North American users, but I don't, I don't, maybe not, maybe that's not the going to be the biggest thing. Maybe it's going to be the, the rest of the world and North America catches up, but I don't know. We'll see. It, it's kind of interesting. The idea of countries turning <laughs> on like on mass, yeah. Uh, and you know, that you're probably right. It probably is from like a, a couple of influencer TikToks where people just all of a sudden get the, get a bug in their ear and say, oh, I should check this out on the topic of, of 
TikTok. I know something that you know people have talked about is, and we kind of touched on this earlier, but a TikTok style experience. Now, I think the TikTok algorithm is uh, pretty toxic in general because it really is brilliantly designed to keep people yeah. hooked, to keep their attention, <laughs> to keep them just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling endlessly. But and done in a different way where there is the option to, you know, choose your own adventure, right. let's say, to choose your own algorithmic path. That's clearly TikTok tapped into something that people really like. I mean, every other social media platform basically copied that model. Uh, so do you, I mean, do you think we'll see a Noster client spring up that is, you know, maybe based on their, how their relays are filtering and how that client chooses to surface the, the events I actually, that it'll be basically that that experience mimicked. I think that, I think the TikTok algorithm is probably one of the best algorithms ever, ever, I've ever seen because I noticed it like it yeah. pushes me out of my bubble every now and then. And it puts me into somewhere crazy. Like it put me into like, um, I think I was like outdoor cooking or something. And I'm like, I would have never normally scrolled for that stuff. And now I'm like outdoor, outdoor cooking maxi. Um, so I do like, <clears throat> I think that what they're actually doing a pretty something interesting with their algorithm is trying to like, at least, um, push people out of their bubbles. Um, so I, I, that's not one thing I like about the TikTok algorithm, but yeah, sometimes it's just like, Oh, it's just mindless scrolling. It's so bad. And, um, you know, a lot of people, they, uh, they fault Nostra for that. It's like they, they open up Thomas and they expect a, an experience like that. They want to just not follow anyone and scroll, <clears throat> but I get it. It's like, you know, they're busy and they don't want to spend all their time and, you know, invest their time into this app and trying to figure it out and try to follow people who they might be interested in. They don't, that's like way too many decisions to make for the, most people. They just want to scroll and be shown because like in theory, like we, you know, it's not, it's not hard to figure out like what people are interested in just from gathering data on what they're, what they're looking at. Like what TikTok does is they, they'll, they'll look at if you're watching a video for a certain amount of time. <clears throat> and if it's just the videos that you watch the longest just happens to be the ones that they think you like the most. And it actually works pretty well. So, um, but that just requires them to collect a lot of data on you and they build a really interesting and like a very invasive, personally invasive profile on you. So, Maybe we can start doing that client side. Um, I'm maybe I'm kind of hopeful for maybe we can start doing this stuff with like privacy pre preserving ways of doing it. Um, I don't know, but we'll see. But yeah, again, next year, you're the algorithm. People should start playing with this, these ideas and start building. So. Well, and I, I think uh, obviously there are, there are good and bad ways to surface people an experience that they like. And collecting a shitload of personal data and building this massive profile of this person and how long they spend on each video. And maybe they're even eyeball tracking. I don't know. Uh, that's a pretty fucking invasive way. But I think the, one of the opportunities with Noster is that, okay, building from an opt in perspective from the beginning gives you the opportunity to say, okay, like, what are you into? Like, what do you want to see more of? Like, I think if, and again, maybe, you know, one of the beauties or well, beautifully terrible things about TikTok is that you don't have to do anything, right? Like you're just opening it up and it's all just served to you there from the moment you have the app downloaded, you don't need to follow anyone. It's just, it's yeah. just there. And you're just at the feeding trough, <laughs> drinking in all that sweet <laughs> info sludge. But, but I think, you know, I, I, perhaps I'm overly optimistic, but I hope that people have slightly more patience to be able to say, okay, let me at least take 10 seconds to say I'm into this and this and this and this, 
And that starts to build my experience because I think one of the beautiful things that actually shocks people in a really good way about Noster is when they see a, a client like Damas and they look on the app store and they see no information is collected about me. Like that's, that's truly unheard of. Like you there's, I cannot think of another app that does that. Maybe you can, I, I don't know, but it's, it's truly unheard of because everyone sells your information this day, day and age. Our United States postal service is allowed to sell what? your information. Like anytime you, you sign up for something new through our USPS service, you will guaranteed get a flood of new robo calls within the next day and robo emails. It's just like a fact. And I just think that that's, that's so genuinely fucked that our information is just thought of in this commoditized way. And that's one of the things that I love so much about Noster is that you're, you know, you're not this product anymore. You know, it's not the freemium model where, you know, if you're not paying for it, you are the product. No, it's granted you're not paying for it on Noster either, but at least you can see that they're not, you know, nobody's collecting yeah. things. On I mean, you. I, I mean, I've only kind of like worked at startups my entire life. And one of the things that's so common, it's just like a natural thing. It's like, oh, you just turn on the analytics. So there's even a website where it's called, I think it was called segment.io where they just streamline the whole process where you, you don't, where you don't turn on one analytics. You can just select all the analytics you want and then press one button and it gets added to your website. And the thing that changed it for me is when, you know, I was going through all these analytics and I, and I found one, it was like um, this mouse tracking one, where if you, you could open up and you can see wh where they move their mouse on the page, like where they were like, and it was like, this is just so creepy. It was just like the creepiest, like, it felt like I was like, like a voyeur, like looking in on your family dinner. Like it was just disturbing. Like, I'm like <laughs> I was like, at that point I realized it's like, do we even need this? Like I we weren't even using it. It was just, we collecting all this data and this personal information for what? Like, are we going to make business decisions based on this? Like, no, it's just like, so I just, at that, after that moment, I'm like, we don't, I, I just like, I just became a pro, like uh, an anti-analytics maxi. I just felt like it's unnecessary. You can make business decisions without it. It's not that, it's not that important. So I, I don't think it's necessary. The mouse tracking is such just like a unnecessarily creepy yeah. one too. It's like, I think eyeball tracking is probably like the pinnacle of creepiness and I mean, obviously there, you know, a lot of things are supposed to protect you from that, but I'm sure it is probably done more than we know. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a sad thing that, and maybe Noster is the chance at fixing this a little bit, but the incentive model is just so broken on these platforms. And honestly, for, for a lot of businesses in general, the incentive model is broken, but particularly for social media, any sort of news media as well. Like you just see the, uh, even Twitter's advertising model change where they're now, they're now paying, you know, out a small sum for the vast majority of people, but they're paying out something to people for, uh, how many impressions they're getting, how many verified impressions they're getting, I should say. And okay, that's nice. But at the same time, I've noticed that you see so much more like if this is even possible on Twitter, even more just overtly inflammatory or just, but at the same time, it's like people are making these really inflammatory statements or questions, but they're so mundane and predictable mm. because people just know like, Oh, this is what gets engagement. And I'm going to do this because when I get more engagement, I get more money. And it's such a, it's such a sad thing to see that. But at the same time, it's like, well, that's just the, that's the world that we're playing in, in the centralized playground. I don't know. It's just, 
it's a bummer to see because the quality of information that you see is then degraded because of the yeah. broken model. This is why I'm like such a believer in I don't the, know. the value for value. It's like, it feels like it, you know, fixes a lot of these corrupting issues, you know, even just with the advertising, um, you know, that model in the sense that you're going to, you're going to say whatever you want that you got to say to make the money. And it's, you know, it, it, and it's in some sense, it's just corrupting what you actually want to say. Right. Why, not, why can't you just say what you want to say and get paid by people who want to hear what you want to say? Um, so, you know, it should be that simple, but um, unfortunately, like we, we, everyone's just relying on the ad model and no one's really explored any other way. Cause that's just where all the money is. Right. Um, maybe that'll, maybe that'll never change, but it's, it's, it is kind of a sad state of affairs. No, it's, it's so true. Like you're, you're essentially self-censoring because you believe that what your new behavior is, is going to accrue you a slightly larger chunk of an already pretty small yeah. pie. Like, unless you're one of the accounts on X that has literally hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, like, it's like, is that 10 bucks a month really worth the degraded information that you're putting out there? Probably not, yeah. you know, but it's sad. I mean, that's, that's why I'm still honestly very hopeful about value for value enabled through Noster and honestly for Zapvertising in general. Because I think that that is a chance to uh, incentivize better behavior because it's like when you cut out the middlemen and you're delivering more of that value or all of that value straight to the intended recipient, I think that that just naturally starts to align incentives. It creates a more pure free market for good high value information. And there's always going to be ways this can be gamed. You know, if we think about it as well, just... Uh, Something I've heard a sailor talk about, because he's actually he's talked about Noster mm. quite a lot. Um, and one thing he he brings up as just a something that you know needs to be thought about is just the propagation of AI bots on Noster. Like in these coming years, I think I think it's not just gonna be a problem for Noster. I think it's gonna be a problem for all platforms. Yeah. Like Twitter, even though they're apparently, you know, verifying everyone and their grandmother, they still can't figure out their damn bot mm -hmm. problem. Like it's it's just absurd. Yeah, I mean, I still I see the blue checks on your, Twitter. It's what like are your thoughts on that for blue Noster? checks on Twitter. Yeah, it's like, like you know they're all they're still all bots. So is it even working? <laughs> no, it, it, it's truly not. The amount of times I will see a uh, my wife <laughs> Carla Bitcoin, uh, but it's like Carla Bitcoiny uh, will will retweet something of mine. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I thought Carla already retweeted <laughs> that, and then I look and it's like. Carla Bitcoin is a handle, but with like Stefan Levera's PFP still, because this, <laughs> this scammer is in the process yeah. of like smolting between uh, one of their impersonations and another. And it's like, I, I don't see how that's so hard to fix, like with just like a couple of if, if then statements, but apparently it really is. And I'm probably oversimplifying, but it seems like there's some pretty simple checks you could put in place. And then it makes you think they don't want to fix it because their engagement numbers are going to go way down across the board. Right. I'm I'm really excited. I want more spammers to come to Nostra because then it's like then we'll start working on <laughs> solutions. Like the spam is kind of weak on Nostra. I'm like, come on, you guys can do way better. Um, it, it is. There's there's like one like optimism <laughs> bot or something kind that's like it's always out there. That I mean, like, oh, okay, well, it's it's cute. Like you're I mean, really you're trying muted, out there. Like, you can keep trying. Like, you, like, right, it's fine. Right. Well, that, that's an interesting point that it's it's not really a problem yet that that needs to right. be fixed. But do you see, you know, the ability for in the next couple of years, like people are going to be using various, uh, you know, 
various programs that are going to get more sophisticated to spin up innumerable bots that behave more and more like actual users. Do you think that Noster's Zap model is actually a way to kind of guard against a little bit of that? Because you still, when you attach a value to spam, the spam becomes more and more mm -hmm. difficult to operate at scale. Like even if, you know, five years from now on Noster, one sat is going to be worth more than it is today. And even for somebody trying to spam one sat, that's going to be more difficult. So is, is Bitcoin enabled value on Noster kind of the, the wall that ends up protecting Noster from a lot of that shit? Yeah. I mean, this is why I'm really interested in like these e email solutions because my email inbox is a complete disaster and it's filled with spam. And um, so I'm like, well, if we just had zaps, if I just had like a, use just zaps to prioritize certain messages, right? Um, and I, I imagine spam and like fake accounts and AI bots are going to start slowly take over. And the, our only defense against that is real like things you can't create for free. Like what are things you can't create for free on the internet? Well, we have something called Bitcoin and sats. So it just, it, it makes a lot of sense that we will start to use that for filtering um, that, um, you know, maybe not even just filtering, but like ranking content, like maybe the stuff that goes to the top of your feed is, is the paid stuff. And at the very bottom is spam and garbage. So by the time you scroll down, you're like, well, there's nothing worth down here. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of, you know, people are sending messages for free. We'll get caught in the bottom, but you know, that's good. Just cause that's just going to be the reality is that, you know, if spam gets that bad, then we'll need to rely on, on sats more. So. I mean, and at least, uh, at least it's built in really as uh, I mean, it's a nip, yeah. right? It's already, it's already out there. And I think that's a, that's a powerful thing. Um, one other thing I'll, I want to be conscious of your scarce time in this world. Uh, but just a couple other things I wanted to, to just tap on before we close out. Um, one is just, I'd love to get your thoughts just on the wallet of Satoshi news in the U S and then also UTXO announced, uh, that nodeless yeah. was getting hit with some money transmitter shit up in Canada. So just, you know, do you see more of that type of enforcement coming down the pipe for, let's say for Noster clients? Like, is that going to, are the regulators going to turn their sites to Noster because of zaps and because that's, you know, our clients going to be charged with money transmitter, mm. uh, you know, violations. Is that something that you're thinking about at this time, or is that they're still not paying attention enough? I mean, I can never under underestimate how how stupid they are. So I'm sure they will try to pull shit like that. We're like, oh yeah, you're transmitting money in Domus, which is like not even technically true. You're using another app to transmit the money. So they should be going after those apps first. This is why it's important that we should be focusing on non custodial solutions. Um, and that's one of the biggest criticisms of the Zap spec is that it kind of makes it harder to do non-custodial. Um, but I feel like once people, yeah, if if they start pulling the shit more and more, and people start getting cracked down more and more, like that's the point where I'm like, well, let's maybe we'll need to revise the Zap spec to make it easier to do non-custodial, like get rid of the Ellenural requirement, which is something I've always talked about. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I even just me, I started. I'm using this KYC exchange in Canada called ShakePay, and even now I'm like, well. I'm going to ditch that now because if they're going to start coming after me, then for running a lightning node, I wouldn't be surprised if they start running, coming after people just like running lightning nodes. Right. And I use the lightning, the Domus lightning node for to like do our merch sales and basically do all the commerce for Adomers. So Adomus. So, um, yeah, who knows? Like it's, it's crazy world out there. It's, it's sad that we're at that state where, I mean, and perhaps this is just always the case for new technologies that come about. Um, 
it's just happening at a much higher rate now because of the information age that we live in. But when you see countries like the United States and like Canada just decide to absolutely stomp on good tech because they don't like the people that are operating it because those people chose not to jump through all of their hoops. Um, you know, and it's all like, it all comes down to just protecting from money laundering and terrorist financing and stuff that is never even being done uh, at any meaningful scale through these, you know, Bitcoin enabled solutions, certainly not even close to the scale that it is through the traditional banking system. So that just, it grinds my gears. Well, <laughs> it, it really does. And it's, it's sad to see like people providing great services, like, cause you know, people may have problems with wallet of Satoshi for being custodial, but that is a great mm -hmm. service that they were providing in the U S and now it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this, this phone forever. I won't be able to update the app, but hopefully I'll still be able to use it through a, a VPN. If the, if they, you know, aren't letting traffic at all through the U S but it's sad to see that like that's people getting cut off from a really valuable service. And, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's yeah, a bummer. It's like, you know, they always say, Oh, terrorism. Like, you know, what is terrorism? You know, uh, what maybe maybe the actual terrorism is them like completely sucking all of the energy out of, of out of our money and and deflating our currency and, and causing people where they can't even pay their bills like that causes real terror in the world and who are the terrorists is like the people who are diluting our money supply so don't be mad at us because we're just going to a different solution that actually fucking works and is and we're not being robbed every day so we're like we're the terrorists no you guys are the fucking terrorists and we're just trying to protect our money from you, you psychopaths. So, you know, fuck them. Like if they eventually come after me, I'm, I'm probably going to leave the country and go find somewhere in El Salvador or something because, um, I don't know, you just, the fates are, the states are failing, I think. And they're just, they're scrambling to grab as much money as they can before the, the whole system collapses. That's what it feels like. Amen. And it, it is fucking sad. Like you genuinely think about the damage that, inflation does to people like not just like the little things like oh your groceries are more expensive like when economies collapse and even when they like just when you go into a recession the even the fucking government statistics will show you that more people die because more people commit mm -hmm. suicide or more people get sick and don't get care this is actual harm, material harm being caused by them just being corrupt, irresponsible yep. fucks. And it's, it's fucking sad. And then, as you said, to, to turn around and try to push the blame onto people building open source projects or closed source projects that simply don't follow all their rules. We're literally building like the see. life rafts to get away from their broken system. And they're just fucking trying to pop them with knives. Like what the, f it's just like, <laughs> Get, do something better with your lives instead of cause more misery for people just trying to survive and to, to build life rafts from your from the chaos that you've, that you've ensued. So it's just like the people who, who are engaged in that type of stuff is just like bottom of the barrel, like just very disappointing that there's people on this planet who don't see what's going on. And maybe they are just like, they just feel like they're just doing their job and they don't, they don't really know what's the bigger picture. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin has showed us the light and this is the only path forward. And that's why I've been dedicating most of my life just building on Bitcoin, building, you know, on Bitcoin adjacent tech. And it's just the most important thing for humanity right now. Um, and it's really sad that a majority of the world still sees it as like a scam or it, it, not as important as it is, but it, it's the most important technology that, you know, 
that I work on and that uh, at this point in time, I think so. I, that is a, that is a really nice note to start to close out on because I don't know how to quite follow <laughs> that. I do want to say though, I'm, I'm so grateful to people like yourself, Will, who are doing the actual building on these protocols like Bitcoin and Noster, because these two things give me so much hope in the future at a time when we are just bombarded with the negativity of the fiat world and of the negative consequences that the fiat world has brought mm -hmm. upon us. I would, I think I speak for a lot of our fellow plebs when I say I would be in a pretty dark place if I didn't have the hope that Bitcoin brings me mm -hmm. for the future, because it, it really is this, uh, it's a light in the darkness and it's something that it's actually gives me a little bit of faith in, in humanity's mm -hmm. potential again. And I think the more people that get that hope and get a little bit of that faith in what we can accomplish uh, together in a very decentralized <laughs> way, the better off we're going to be. Uh, the last thing I'll end on, Will, is are you reading anything right now that you would recommend besides uh, notes on Noster? I, I don't know how much time you have for uh, the uh, written word on the page between building and uh, you know zapping and everything else, but um, it's for some reason I'm reading something called uh, it's like Skunk Works by Ben Rich, the, the guy who runs um, Lockheed Martin. Um, it, it for some reason because I went down this like rabbit hole of um, after the the David Grush interview with Joe Rogan about like UFOs. I'm like I'm just like is this real? Like is this actually happening or is like is this just another fucking psyop? So I started, I was just like really digging deep into, you know, what are the competent parts of the, of the U S government and like, what were they capable of during the times where all this shit was going down? And it is pretty impressive. So a lot of times we talk about like the government's incompetent, but there are very small teams within the government who are like really, really good. And Lockheed Martin was one of those examples who built like the, the spy planes in the fifties and stuff. Um, so I just find that fascinating about, and, and now it makes, makes me wonder, it's like, you know, what are they, what are the competent teams know about Bitcoin and Noster and like, are they doing something about it and they're just not telling anyone? Um, anyway, so that's always, always fascinating to me, like kind of like the, the black projects and stuff. So anyway, that's what I, this is a random thing I'm reading. You, but I just find it. Helpful. No, no. You said it's called Skunk, Skunk Works. Works. By, yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Uh, that it's a little bit of a, a terrifying prospect that there are competent <laughs> parts of the government. But what can you do, I guess? But Will, I want to I want to thank you for sharing your scarce time with me here today. Uh, you know, like Bitcoin, your time is very scarce. You spend the vast majority of it building, and for that, I thank you. And thank you to everyone else out there who will listen to this later for sharing your scarce time with us. Uh, so, Will, thank you so much. I'm going to go and note about this right now. Maybe I'll post a picture of my feet. Maybe I won't. We'll have to see. But thanks so much for all you do. And Thank thanks you. for this joining was, me. Uh, this was awesome. Cheers. Cheers. And that's a wrap on this Bitcoin Talk episode of the Bitcoin Podcast. If you are a Bitcoin-only company interested in sponsoring another fucking Bitcoin podcast, head to bitcoinpodcast.net or hit me up on social media. On Noster, head to primal.net slash walker. And on Twitter, search for at Walker America or at Titcoin Podcast. You can also watch the video version of this show on X or on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash at Walker America or Rumble by searching for at Walker America. 
Bitcoin is scarce. There will only ever be 21 million. But Bitcoin podcasts are abundant. So thank you for spending your scarce time to listen to another fucking Bitcoin podcast. Until next time, stay free.